Hello everybody, welcome along to our Christmas edition of Baptist Voice. And in keeping with the general feeling of thanksgiving and joy, we're going to start with a joyful song, Joy to the World. Joy will be the theme of our get-together in the second half. Lots of carols, readings and thoughts to share. But we're not neglecting all our regular features, all our regular contributors. We'll be meeting them as we go along. Starting us off is Andrea and the National News for Baptists. The Baptist Small Church Connection met in November before the announcement of the COVID vaccination plan. They were anxious that churches shouldn't be constrained in the celebration of our Lord's birth and offered several suggestions to help. Even with the benefit of hindsight, these are wise words, since it's obvious that even with the benefit of the COVID vaccination, COVID won't be going away overnight. Here are a few of the things they suggest. Decorate your house and the church with nativity posters and lights. Use artwork in the church and porch windows. Have the church open for private prayer with nativity stations. Knit Christmas angels and distribute them round the neighbourhood. You can offer gift bags to all church contacts and neighbours. Messy Church Christmas on Zoom. Deliver activity packs to families in advance. Or you could offer Christmas carol service drive-ins at your church or your local retail park. On the 16th of December, there are doorstepcarols.co.uk, started in the West Midlands Association, but going national. The website has music and carol words. On the 20th of December, bigcarolsing.co.uk in Carlisle. Their website has a step-by-step guide. And there are many more ideas and resources on the Baptist Together website. With thanks to the Children, Young People and Families CYF Roundtable, training from Transforming Lives for Good... TLG on their new emotional roller coaster resource will be coming to all our regional associations. It comprises of emotional first aid, online training to help you spot the signs of emotional distress in children and adults and know how to respond to them effectively. Emotional roller coaster, 
training specifically for those working with children and young people aged 8 to 14 years, offering therapeutic responses, approaches and activities to explore emotional health. It is especially relevant for supporting children who have been impacted by the lockdown and COVID-19. CYF Roundtable believe this is essential training for our churches, not just for those working with young people, but everyone working with vulnerable people. The training incorporating both the emotional first aid and emotional roller coaster will happen on Zoom. www.tlg.org.uk is the place to go for more information. The BU have announced the permanent appointment of the Reverend Diane Watts as the team leader for the Faith and Society team, one of the four specialist teams based at Baptist House. Diane started her career in banking as a consultant with Noble Lowndes, and then moved into teaching, specialising in history and politics, and becoming a member of the senior management team and head of the lower school for Whitgift School in Croydon. She was called into ministry in 2007, attending Spurgeon's College for her ministerial training. Gaining a master's degree in the Christian faith and practice, she became an accredited Baptist minister in 2010. After completing her studies, she was called to the role of team leader and associate minister at Selston Baptist Church. And after seven years in local pastorate, she was asked to launch and lead a new charity, Together in Sussex. Since February 2020, Diane has been working in an interim capacity as the Faith and Society team leader, coordinating the work of the nine members of the Faith and Society team and supporting the work of Baptists Together as we have responded to the challenges and demands of the coronavirus pandemic. Lynn Green, General Secretary, commented, Diane brings a wealth of wisdom and experience to this significant and wide-reaching role within our Baptist family. Diane, reflecting on her new appointment, said, It has been a privilege to work with the amazing Faith and Society team over the last few months. This is a challenging time for our Baptist community and for the Church, but I am excited to see and hear where God leads us in this season. As I said, we're not neglecting our usual features and correspondence just because it's Christmas. Not at all. Lucy has been preparing our news report regarding the life of the young people in our denomination. And it's not been easy this month. There's precious little happening nationally on the youth scene, so I thought this was a time to recap and remind ourselves of the resources generally available in preparation for the time when we're allowed to reappear from the various forms of lockdown. Be prepared is still the Scout motto, so take that as our starting point. We can look at the various organisations that support and cater for young people and be ready with plans in hand when the time arises. To quote John Sentimu, former Archbishop of York and President of Youth for Christ, In my experience there is nothing more transformative, nothing more redemptive, nothing more able to turn a life around than the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Our starting point as Baptists is to approach the local association and ask what plans they have to kick-start youth work when the effect of the pandemic dies down. Some associations have developed schemes that have operated during the whole episode, schemes to keep people in touch and schemes to keep people infused. These will be a starting point for your own plan for rejuvenation, but the message must be, be prepared. 
There will be little mileage in suddenly finding that you've got a whole bunch of young people eager to meet up and continue their Christian journey and turning to you for support, only finding there's nothing ready. There are pages of resources on the British Youth for Christ website, https colon forward slash forward slash yfc.co.uk. Well worth a visit. On the home page, start with church resources. There you will find Go for 7s to 11s and next to it Rock Solid, material for 11s to 14s. Every resource offers background and encouragement. For instance, this is on the homepage for Rock Solid. Rock Solid is designed to intentionally encourage young people to consider making a commitment to Christ. Every term, as well as looking at relevant issues and the character of Jesus, we provide a moment for your young people to make a decision to become a Christian. There's material there for young people up to the age of 30, including opportunities for all-age worship and the Ethos Film Channel. Contact is straightforward, although when I last checked, part of the site is being rebuilt. Scripture Union could be your next port of call. They produce a lot of written material and study guides, which makes it sound rather formal and bookish. But resources in the books are accessible and fun in most cases. They work in schools, church and community through sport, and they have dance groups who will visit your church or youth group. They operate throughout England and Wales and internationally. One of their strengths is their SU holidays and holiday clubs. That's probably worth an entry all on its own. Naturally, many of their events and courses have been put on hold, but one I spotted, and it's not too late to join in on, is their virtual Christmas. It's completely free with downloadable resources and a video. It's in two parts, five to eight-year-olds and eight to 11-year-olds. They have a separate operation in Scotland that you can access by going to https colon forward slash forward slash www.suscotland.org.uk forward slash. Thanks, Lucy. Hark the glad sound the Saviour comes is the Christmas tune Gareth has chosen for our musical break. It's out into the regions now with our correspondent Colin and he starts his report in Staffordshire. Moved by the heartbreaking and pitiful pictures from Africa on television, Claire Oakley explains how Stafford Baptist Church safely went about inviting people to its building to fundraise for Tear Fund without breaking any rules. The pictures were of starving babies, children and adults in Yemen, South Sudan and Syria. Families were packed in tents with no sanitation nor safe distancing and no health care for COVID-19. 
As a response, Danielle Lee, minister at Stafford Baptist Church, asked our church if we could hold coffee mornings or afternoon teas to raise money for Tear Fund. I decided a coffee morning wouldn't raise enough money, so I opted for a full coffee day from 10.30 till 6pm. I had hoped to raise £50, as it happened that came in even before the day itself. I invited people on the phone and organised a rotor for two people to arrive every half hour, with safe distancing, masks, hand sanitizers, paper cups, napkins and wooden utensils. It was paramount that everyone was kept safe. Church members and friends brought gifts for the tombola and sales table and spent generously for such a worthy cause. One member made two beautiful cakes, a chocolate one, the other coffee and walnut, which we sold by the slice with coffee and tea. A friend also loaned their gazebo, which was ideal, as rain was forecast and it was great to sit underneath. It was a most enjoyable day and ran smoothly, with my husband making teas and coffees and slicing cake all day long. The money kept rising for about two weeks afterwards, until finally we reached the amazing total of £565. In 2014, Wesley Baptist Church in Leon C. Southend, in partnership with UK Parish Nursing Ministry, employed a registered nurse from its congregation and began to care for its community with support in practical love. The service, supported by grants from the Baptist Insurance Company, has flourished over five years and now employs an assistant parish nurse, family support worker and health nutritionalist supported by a dedicated group of church volunteers. Lorraine Lawrence, parish nurse since 2014, meets weekly with the minister and pastoral team to review those with health needs or referrals and to arrange home visits where needed. We accompany people to hospital, provide healthcare support, medicine management, screening and GP and hospital follow-up, Lorraine said. We help those with referrals for our services or residential care and offer clinics for operation preparation, blood pressure, well-being and diet. Aside from Lorraine's 280 patients, the service provides a weekly drop-in nurse clinic for children and babies, one-to-one support and courses on health, parenting, lifestyle and faith. For an 85-day period spanning the island's disrupted tourist season, Church leaders from Ride on the Isle of Wight held daily 15-minute online prayer meetings at 7pm for the town and its surrounding areas. Called Pray for Ride 2020, 2020 hours of prayer from the 1st of July to the 23rd of September, Christians in the town were encouraged to pray for their area in recognition of the challenges all were facing. A Zoom link was shared and a website featuring recordings of prayer themes for each day led by leaders and others from each of the churches. Over the period, a large number of prayer topics for the town and its people were prayed for. When the 85-day period had ended, with new friendships forged, the church leaders agreed to keep the Zoom link open and continue the prayer meeting every Monday at 7pm and on the fourth Sunday of each month for worship and prayer. Now that the second lockdown has started, Ride has responded by restarting the prayer meetings. During the pandemic, it's estimated that churches have provided more than 5 million meals for frontline workers, 
those who were self-shielding and individuals too embarrassed to ask for help. Your Neighbour compiled the report and has been a UK-wide church response to COVID-19. In the six-week period, after the onset of lockdown, the founders built a network of over 1,100 churches with denominational partners including the Church of England, Salvation Army, Baptist Together, Assemblies of God, Vineyard and the Methodist Church. The new report, The Church in Lockdown, highlights a number of areas where churches have been active in responding to the emergency needs felt across the country. One of the key areas has been its response to the crisis in food poverty, which has been highlighted time and again in 2020 with the increased demand for food banks and the advocacy work being done by high-profile spokespeople such as Marcus Radford. Tim Pilkington, director of Your Neighbour, said, During lockdown we have seen a remarkable response from the British church. The buildings were closed but the church was open. The church responded quickly and creatively, as well as churches providing what we estimate to be 5 million meals per month to those in need. They have also played a vital role in providing emotional and spiritual needs through pastoral and bereavement support, domestic violence interventions and mentoring among others. The report cites the example of West End Baptist Church in Wiltshire, which sought to address digital poverty by refurbishing and distributing laptops through local schools, so that disadvantaged pupils could continue to engage with the curriculum. The report found that 90% of surveyed churches supported the vulnerable in some way, with 58% providing emergency food, 57% providing befriending services to the elderly and isolated, and almost half of the churches surveyed started a new community engagement initiative during the pandemic. To find out more about Your Neighbour and the church in lockdown, go to yourneighbour.org. Many EU citizens who have the right to stay in the UK after the Brexit transition period may struggle to do so, which is why a campaign that enables churches to support applications to the EU settlement scheme has been launched by the Joint Public Issues Team. As well as the UK becoming a physical home, many EU nationals have also found their spiritual home here as UK churches have sought to make our communities welcoming spaces. In order for EU nationals to stay in the UK after Brexit, almost all need to apply for EU settled status before the end of June 2021. The Joint Public Issues Team has teamed up with the immigration advice charity Settled to help churches understand how they can help play their part. Resources have been produced to equip church and community leaders to support applications to the EU settlement scheme from more vulnerable EU nationals in our congregations and communities. As churches, we're called to create a society which welcomes everyone, and we value the contribution and presence of everyone in our congregations and communities. Supporting an application to the EU settlement scheme offers churches the chance to make the UK a welcoming place for everyone. Your support might mean that someone can stay in the place which they've always made their home, both spiritually and physically. Thank you, Colin. We know what a struggle it's been to keep church life afloat here. 
so one can imagine how much harder it's been for those supporting the work of churches overseas. Here's Claire with the latest news of the work of Christian Aid. Responding to the announcement that the UK aid budget is to be cut despite the ongoing global pandemic, Christian Aid's Director of Policy, Public Affairs and Campaigns, Patrick Watt, said, Cuts have consequences and this decision will pile yet more pressure onto the millions of people worldwide who've been pushed into extreme poverty as a result of the global pandemic. Cutting the aid budget during a global pandemic is like closing fire stations during a heatwave. These are tough times and the government has tough decisions to make, but balancing the books on the backs of the poor isn't the way to do it. The people of this country have a proud tradition of never turning a blind eye to those in need around the world. As the government prepares to host world leaders at next year's critical G7 and COP26 climate summits, it now has a moral duty to put inequality and injustice in the world's poorest countries at the heart of its agenda. Responding to reports that the government is considering making permanent the cut to the UK aid budget, Christian Aid's UK advocacy and policy lead, Jennifer Larby, said, Cuts have consequences. Cutting the UK aid budget will have consequences for the world's poorest. This is not just about the compassion of our country. It is about justice. It will result in people not accessing vital health care during a global pandemic. People going hungry. In fewer children being educated and their already limited choices being further diminished. These are tangible effects. The intangible but no less damaging ones are to the UK's global standing. By not keeping our foreign aid promises, we further undermine our position as host of the G7 next year. We give the impression, do as we say, not as we do. Against the backdrop of a recent increase in defence spending of over £16 billion, if this is a signpost of priorities and future action, it is very worrying. The values of fairness and justice are echoed through their giving and their work. People give money, sign petitions or bake cakes because they believe helping those in need is a fundamental part of being human. Their giving has continued in the face of a pandemic. They expect their government to do the same. As Archbishop Desmond Tutu has said, a promise to the poor is particularly sacred. Christian Aid has launched a fundraising appeal to help those left without shelter, food or water following the devastating effects of two Category 4 hurricanes, Ita and Iota, in Central America. Reports indicate that more than 5 million people have been affected across the region, with a significant percentage left without safe homes or a means to earn a living. Christian Aid had already started a response in Nicaragua through local partner Sopexca, thanks to £40,000 from the START Fund to help people affected by ETA. Distributions of food and hygiene kits had barely begun when Hurricane Iota hit the country last week, exacerbating the already dire situation and increasing the need for humanitarian assistance. Moises Gonzalez, Christian Aid's head of Latin America and the Caribbean, based in the capital Managua, said, Climate change is making weather more extreme and more unpredictable and is hitting our poorest and most vulnerable communities hardest. These two major hurricanes, striking within two weeks of each other, have devastated parts of Central America. 
The added threat of COVID-19 is compounding the vulnerability of affected people in Nicaragua, Honduras and Guatemala, making their situation twice as difficult and making it more challenging for us and our partners to reach them safely. International aid must coordinate with government and support its capacity and that of civil society. Christian Aid is working with local partners in Nicaragua, Honduras and Guatemala. Relief efforts will concentrate on where the need is greatest. G20 finance ministers have agreed on a new joint framework for restructuring government debt in some poorer countries because of the COVID-19 crisis and on a case-by-case basis. It's called Common Framework for Debt Treatments. Responding, Matty Cahonan, Christian Aid's Principal Advisor on the Private Sector, said, We welcome the fact that G20 leaders have created a process for debt relief for 73 of the poorest countries, including the inclusion of private sector creditors on a case-by-case basis on comparable terms. This is a big step forwards. However, private sector creditors should be included on a mandatory basis. Also, worryingly, this does not include debts owed to the multilateral lenders such as the World Bank or the IMF, who are major lenders in the poorest countries. With a risk of multiple and simultaneous debt crises on the horizon, we should have quicker action. Christian Aid welcomed the decision at the G20 Finance Minister's meeting last month to extend the Debt Servicing Suspension Initiative, DSSI, for another six months, while expressing deep concern over private banks profiting from the ongoing international crisis, which risks trapping people in the poorest countries into deepening poverty. As shown in Christian Aid's joint Under the Radar report, alongside other organisations, HSBC, BlackRock and other banks are being paid in full, while bilateral creditors have accepted a payment holiday for 14 months. Most private sector debt remains under the radar and lacks transparency. The report found that in Zambia, only $295 million of the $1 billion of total bondholders could be found, with the rest not accessible on databases. Christian Aid has warned that many developing countries will struggle to meet financing costs to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic and its dire economic consequences if a more ambitious debt cancellation is not agreed. As Christian Aid argued last month, more action is urgently needed on debt cancellation, as 64 developing nations spend more on debt servicing than on health financing, and 44 countries spend more in debt servicing than on life-saving spending for the poorest. Thank you, Claire. Many churches will, as a matter of course, be donating their Christmas offerings to Christian Aid, and obviously it's never been more important for those overseas projects that rely on UK churches. It's college news next, and we hear from Katie. And as expected, all the courses are now being run online. So far as training for the Baptist ministry is concerned, you'll realise that all the courses are still available, but only in digital format until face-to-face teaching can safely resume. Most colleges have access points for you to research and discover an appropriate course for you, whether it's to start training as an undergraduate or to further your education with an additional qualification or indeed a further degree. Spurgeon's College in London has several useful videos 
including a virtual 12 and a half minute open day, leading to several videos describing the options available. From a part-time nine-year BA course to a diploma in theology involving part-time study for six years. If that whets your appetite or convinces you that that is the path for you in life, then you can contact College Admissions by emailing admissions at spurgeons.ac.uk. The Scottish Baptist College is continuing with their evening learning communities. Throughout February 2021, they'll be thinking about Sabbath and what the idea means for us today in the 21st century. Starting with the biblical tradition, we'll then move on to think about the spirituality and application of the Sabbath principle, as can be practised in our churches and personal lives. Facilitated jointly by Andrew Clark and Lena Toth, this learning community will take place on four consecutive Monday nights through February 2021, beginning on February the 1st. The sessions will run between 8pm and 9.15pm and be carried out via Zoom. For the four weeks, the cost is £30 plus booking fee. For further information, please contact Andrew Clark on andrew.clark.com at uws.ac.uk To register, please sign up via Eventbrite. St Hilde's College in West Yorkshire is recruiting. They are looking for a communications and project manager. This new and exciting role has been created to drive forward communications for the college and progress key development projects working as part of a highly collaborative team. This is a part-time position with flexible hours and location, including home-based working. The job description and person specification can be found on the St Hilde website. Please email enquiries at senthild.org to express an interest and we will send you an application form, which should be completed and returned no later then 9am on Thursday the 10th of December 2020. Interviews will be held on Monday the 14th of December 2020. Please indicate your availability for this date. Luther King House, the home of the Northern Baptist College, are offering a number of modules to be studied part-time, at home and digitally. The list is too long to read out to you, but there are courses from elementary level through to degree level that can be taken as part counting towards your degree. Some of the courses have already started, but many only begin in the new year. For instance, there's a module on exploring leadership and theology for ministry and mission. That's a weekend course starting on the 23rd of January 2021. Conflict and Transformation in the Church is a two-part course with the first element on the 9th of January. That course is considered to be BA level. You can find out more about these courses by emailing learning at lkh.org.uk. EU citizens studying at our Bristol College will be charged home fees for the duration of their course. 
For more information about how the UK leaving the EU will affect students, see www.gov.uk forward slash guidance forward slash Brexit dash guidance dash for dash EU dash students dash in dash the dash UK. The college has highly trusted sponsor status and can offer places to students from outside the EEA who meets the requirements of our validating universities and the UK Borders Agency. There's a link on the website to the UK Home Office website for more information on UK Borders Agency requirements. The courses are validated by British universities. These have stringent English language requirements for international students. If you have not previously studied for a degree in the UK, they will need to reach a suitable standard in an, in an approved test of English as a foreign language. The college recommends the International English Language Testing Service, IELTS, examination, which is available through local offices of the British Council. You must achieve a score of at least 6.5 for entry into an undergraduate course and 7.0 for entry into a postgraduate course. You can contact the college on 0117 946 7050 or by email to admin at bristol-baptist.ac.uk. At our Bristol College, should the college be open by then, there's a course on reading and using the Bible. New Testament Day 1 is on February the 6th, 2021 at 10am to 3.30pm at a cost of £16.76. It asks, why are there four Gospels? And why do they tell the same stories differently? Is the book of Acts a guidebook for today's church? How can I get a handle on the letters from Paul? And what's with all the dragons at the end? The speaker is Reverend Dr Stephen Finamore, Principal at Bristol Baptist College. This event is part of a Bristol Baptist College course called Prepare, Feed, Sustain, an access level course of Christian learning designed together with the Baptist Union of Great Britain. The module is split into two teaching Saturdays. Each day has four sessions and plenty of tea and coffee breaks. We provide teas, coffees and biscuits and recommend that all attendees bring a packed lunch. There is a small car park in front of the building but no parking restrictions are imposed on the surrounding streets on Saturdays. Day 1 runs on the 6th of February 2021. Day 2 runs on the 27th of February 2021. Tickets options. Visitors need to buy Day 1 and Day 2 tickets separately. Thanks, Katie. Let's look at BMS World Mission International News next, and we start in Asia. This Christmas, BMS World Mission partners across Asia are coming together to answer the question, where is their hope in all this? The answer must be, they say, 
the wonderful hope they have in the good news of Jesus Christ. This December you're invited to be part of a series of joy-filled outreach events taking place across Asia. A network of passionate believers from India, Bangladesh, Thailand and Cambodia is coming together with the collective vision to reach as many people as possible with a Christ-centred message of hope. And with plans for a series of COVID-secure festivities, celebrations and outreach events throughout December well underway, the only thing missing, they say, is you. The BMS Christmas Prayer Campaign 2020 invites you to make Jesus known to people across Asia by upholding and supporting the plans of our partners in dedicated prayer. Our faithful partners, who we'll tell you about later, know they fall in the first hurdle if they don't seek God's guidance for the month ahead. So please join them and Christians across the UK, praying for God to shine the light at the end of a dark year. Please pray for questioning hearts to receive gladly the message of a God who reaches out and beckons them into a relationship with him this Christmas. And here are some prayer pointers. Benjamin Francis, BMS team leader for India, working with BMS partner Big Life, says people in India are thinking, if I go out, I may contract coronavirus. If I stay in my house, I'll definitely die of hunger. They want to know what is the hope in all of this. And this Christmas, all their outreach programmes are focused on that. Christ in me, the hope of eternity. Pray for safety for Benjamin and his team as they aim to bring the Christmas message to between 50 and 60 villages. The Reverend Ashim Baroy is the General Secretary of Longstanding BMS Partner, the Bangladesh Baptist Church, Sangha, BBCS. He says, We are using this Christmas project to bring glad tidings to people in the tea garden areas and to people in the hill tribes. During our Christmas programme, we will teach them Christmas songs and explain to them how God loves us and has come to be with us. Some of the people live in very sad conditions. Now we have the opportunity to make them glad. We will let them know about Emmanuel, God with us. Many have emotional pain and fear because of the COVID-19 situation. We want to bring them hope and love in the name of Jesus Christ. The Reverend Joel Dua is a mission worker in Cambodia. He says the Christmas season is one of the best times for doing evangelism in Cambodia. People are aware of Christmas as one of the important festivals of Christianity without knowing the reality about Christmas and its background. Taking advantage of this special occasion, we plan to gather the parents and friends of local students, both Christians and non-Christians, providing lunch or dinner with a Christmas gift and an invitation to a proper worship service or fellowship. Here we'll tell the living story of Christmas. Besides this, we'll have a Christmas outreach ministry in the village. Mr Prateep D is General Secretary of the Thai Karen Baptist Church, TKBC. He says, It's a traditional event for us in December to go preaching the gospel to many unreached fields. Yearly, many of our local churches and associations and TKBC departments reach out to the working fields and unreached marginalised areas to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? 
Because Thailand needs the gospel. Only 1% of the Thai population is Christian, and that's counting all denominations of Christianity and Roman Catholicism. Though the majority of Thais are Buddhists, Thai people hunger for peace and salvation. For more about the Pray for Asia campaign this Christmas, go to https colon forward slash forward slash www.bmsworldmission.org Now it's time for our Baptist Voice Christmas presentation. Continuing with the theme of joy, we start with what, in my opinion, is the finest recording of Joy to the World from the Salvation Army Brass. You may argue over that, but I'll stick to my guns. Then we'll be joined by two of the ministers from our supporting body, the Northwest Baptist Association. First we hear Jane Henderson, who will read to us the passage from Luke where Mary discovers she is to bear Jesus, the Son of God, Saviour of the world. Then Phil Jump, the regional minister, will reflect on the joy of that announcement. the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel 
remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary may speak of joy, but the circumstances in which she expresses her joy are difficult and demanding. We have no idea at this stage how much she would be aware of the personal struggles and threats that this would entail for her. My gut feeling is that Mary went to the house of Elizabeth to get away from the immediate circumstances, the gossip and speculation that no doubt surrounded her situation. And she found in Elizabeth's condition and in her words the affirmation that although there were difficult things to face and, and perhaps doubts within her, God was truly in this. And Mary may speak of her own place in this, being one who others would call blessed, but she rejoices in God's justice. Like John before her, she speaks of holy turmoil, but rejoices that this will bring justice, that the humble are lifted and the hungry are filled at the expense of the rich. And how might God be speaking when our season of indulgence has instead become an area of debate about the provision of school meals? Are there other potential resets in our priorities that reflect Mary's song of rejoicing?
To the many who slid the scriptures, the birth of Messiah did not come as a surprise. The exact timing was of the Lord's making, but what would happen had long been foretold. The prophet Micah wrote 800 years before Jesus was born. The Lord says, Bethlehem Ephrata, you are one of the smallest towns in Judah, but out of you I will bring a ruler for Israel, whose family line goes back to ancient times. This was not an idea that was going to go away. Writing possibly about a hundred years after Micah, that most powerful and therefore often quoted prophet Isaiah prophesied in detail of the birth of the Messiah. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And he didn't stop there. He prophesied that one would come before him to prepare the way which we recognise as John the Baptist. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Each one in their own way, calling for Emmanuel to come and rescue Israel.
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So that's it. The history of how our Saviour came to earth to live with us as a human being. No matter how often we hear the retelling, it's still as wondrous and thrilling as before. Thanks to all who've taken part, singers, readers, musicians and commentators. 
But we can't close Baptist Falls without two small service announcements. Our next edition will be in February 2021. And we wish you a very happy Christmas from all the volunteers who work on Baptist Voice. And I'm going to take a grave risk by trying to name them all. Andrea, Claire, Colin, Gareth, Katie, Lucy, Naomi, Phil, and I'm Ralph. We close, as always, with a word from Stephen, our chaplain, who has also been capturing the joy of the season. Hello. I hope you are safe and I hope you are well. Now this will probably sound ultra obvious, but the Christmas stories are just saturated with joy. Phil Jump's already spoken to us about the wonderful joy in Mary's great song, The Magnificat. And that joy, in a way, was passed on to her by her cousin Elizabeth, who cried out with joy when Mary arrived, and whose unborn baby leapt for joy at the same time. And then there's Zechariah's song of joy once he's allowed to speak again. Or there's the shepherds running joyfully from the manger, shouting God's praises to whoever would listen as they run through the streets of Bethlehem. Or there's the magi rejoicing as the star they'd seen in their home country now reappears, taking them to the house where the king they sought is. But what about you? Where do you find joy in this amazing, remarkable story? In the words of the stories themselves, so familiar to us through carols and readings, reminding us again of this great act of God. In the great promises of who this baby will be and what he will do, spoken by angels and humans. Or maybe in the simplicity of the birth itself, God entering the world, not with fantastic lights and thunderous noise, not provoking shock and awe, but quietly, simply, unnoticed by many. Or perhaps we find joy in the fact that this isn't just a story of the past, but it's a story that has continued down to us wherever we are this Christmas. That the characters in the story aren't just Mary, Joseph, the angels, the shepherds and the wise men and all the rest. But that we are characters in this story too. Because through God's grace it's been revealed to us who this baby was and is. Not just the baby in the manger but Emmanuel, God with us, Messiah, God's chosen and anointed one. And because his story isn't just about the hopes people had back then for how he would rescue and restore Israel. It's about the hopes we have now for what Jesus has done and is doing through the Holy Spirit. And how he can rescue and restore us, our communities, our country, our worlds. And it's because, like Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth, we're active in this story. We've a part to play in telling the story, sharing its joys, allowing God to use us to reveal who the baby Jesus truly was and who he is, so that others might find joy in the story too. 
Now, of course, there's no getting away from the fact that joy has been so hard to find this year. Like a rare, precious metal, we've had to scour high and low for it and grab it wherever and whenever we can, even if only for a moment. And there's a danger that in talking about joy at Christmas, it can all sound rather forced. It's just a shallow smile on our face that we put on because, you know, it's Christmas, but which will be gone by New Year. But because this isn't just a story from the past, but a story for now, and because this isn't a story we're just here, but one that actually we're part of today, this joy doesn't have to be forced, and it doesn't have to fade when reality bites once again. This is reality. Jesus came amongst people who were longing for hope, for freedom, for God to act to restore them. And much of the joy we hear about in the stories comes from people who realise that those hopes and those prayers were about to become a reality, albeit in a way no one could have expected. And maybe we're longing for that now, especially as we stand at the end of such a traumatic year. And while people around us might not bring God into it, how much are they longing for healing, for freedom, for an end to all this? The joy comes not from denying all this, but from realising that this story makes those hopes a reality now, that we can find in God, even with the suffering of this year and this pandemic, the deepest answers to people's cries for release, for freedom and for hope. Not a forced joy, not a short-lived joy, but a joy that is founded in what God has done and the hopes and promises that all of this brings this Christmas and beyond. And so, this Christmas, let's us be filled with joy once more at this incredible story and all that it means for us. And let us be ones who will bring that joy into the world into people's lives and into our communities who are desperate for it. Let us pray together. God of all hope and joy, people celebrated, rejoiced and praised when you came into our world in your Son, Jesus. They spoke of hope, of freedom, of forgiveness and of love. They saw in him the one who would finally bring your light and life into the world forever. Many of our Christmas celebrations will be different this year, Lord. Many of them will be tinged with sadness or pain at all that's happened. People will be missing whom we thought would still be with us. We won't be able to be with all the people we want to be with. But still you hold out to us the joy you brought into the world. The joy that the pains, tragedies and sufferings of our world can't stop your healing, your grace, your light from coming and transforming our world. And so as we hear, read and tell the stories once more, may our hope be renewed and our joy sparked once again. And may they spread out from us in ways that this virus never could, so that your true, deep joy might bring new hope to our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And God bless you and give you a peaceful 
hopeful, joy-filled Christmas. Thank you.